You're listening to Red Button. Some conversation, please. Thank you. Now, are you sitting comfortably? Good. Then we'll begin. Well, welcome. Welcome to Box 39 Red Button, the later evening conversation show coming live from Studio One here at Colne Radio Towers here in Wivenhoe, which is in uh, Essex, which is in the United Kingdom. So we're here today with our very special guest, who is Jonathan Pearsall. Hello, Jonathan. Hello, everybody. And Jonathan uh, is a sort of historian. He's a blue badge tour guide here in North Essex. Also, many other hats that he wears, including he's a trustee at the Colchester Archaeological Trust. And we've dragged Jonathan in here, out of the pub, uh, to <laughs> to talk to us. Because like you might be like me, you might be new to culture, so many of us might not know of all the stuff that we have in here in history, the history that we have here in Colchester. So Jonathan's going to ease us through. He's going to help us to find out why Colchester is a significant, historically important place. And we're going to look at different eras represented in the in the, such a unique and special way here in Colchester. So with that big build-up, Jonathan, <laughs> no risk, no, no pressure on you at all, but you're just going to give us the entire history of Colchester. Well, as long as I'm not paid using that uh, credit card of Mike Harwood. But, yeah. uh, oh, you've heard about that? I have you? heard of that. I, that's almost put me off coming on the show, but I will go ahead. So, anyway, I shall do my best. I shall <laughs> do my best. You're under pressure now because I uh, know a lot about Colchester, but having spoken to you earlier, there's a lot more I can learn. Oh, well. Absolutely. Well, in case you're wondering who that, who that, 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 that mysterious third voice was, I'm also joined in the studio tonight by uh, Mike Harwood and... By Ian Talentar. We found them in the bar, so we said, come on in. Well, it's very kind of you to invite me, fellas. Thank you very much. It's uh, nice to yeah. see you. Obviously, when my drink's finished, <laughs> I'll be popping out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jonathan, you've chosen the music, and uh, we love when our guests come into Red Button, because they get to choose the music, and I'll read out uh, what it is, and you can explain to us why you chose it. That was El Tetsu Hayashi Taiko Drum and Shinichi Kinoshita Shamisen on Shamisen. Right, this is Japanese drummers. I don't know any of you have seen it. These incredibly athletic guys playing these massive drums. Um, I've only seen it live once uh, in London. It's absolutely fantastic. What I like about drums as a whole is it, it's something that really gets into your body and, and uh, almost into your soul, if you like. It sounds very dramatic. But when you see these guys play as well, their bodies going, it's yeah. music, the drums in their, in their bodies and, and, and the way they react yeah. to it. I, I just love it. I just like drums anyway. You know, it's, yeah. it's fantastic. Well, I've never seen Mike dance all the way down the Colm Radio bar like that. That's right. And on the bar, by the way. Yeah. It's very good. That's pretty good. Lively, yeah. And that flip as he came off onto the floor. Wow. Well double, done. I think it was a double, what do they say when they do that in the Olympics? <laughs> double, double whammy? No. <laughs> so, Jonathan. Jonathan, you're a historian. Tell us about your love of history. Oh, well, I suppose it's... I've just just have have always loved it. You know, I love the world around me, all, all aspects of it, not just the history, the climate, you know, soils, you know, you name it, everything, culture. So, uh, but living in his, living in Colchester, there's so much here to see. It's really stimulated me. Um, 
That's why I got involved in tour guiding, actually. So you're a blue badge guide. What does that mean? Well, it's a, it's a, a nationally recognised um, qualification uh, for tour guiding um, in different different parts of the country. I specialise in, in Colchester. Well, I do other places like Cambridge and, and Lavenham and so on. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a specific uh, qualification. You're trained up to it and... Um, Something you you just keep developing, you keep on learning. So can I ask you a question? Do you have to get a a special qualification for each location? Well, theoretically, uh, as the theoretically no, because you can actually set yourself up as a guide anywhere. You know, you don't have to be a blue badge guide, um, but it's just something that gives that sort of professional training, which I think I think helps you, and I think gives people confidence that. Uh, they're going to get something, um, you know, pretty good. Well, we're looking forward to you being our blue badge guide tonight. All right, OK. And, my uh, best. <laughs> and you're going to be taking us through the history of Colchester, Britain's oldest recorded town. Everything from Roman walls to 21st century buildings. Right, OK. The uh, complete and utter history of Colchester in... <laughs> in less than an hour. I was going to okay. say, we've only got 51 minutes. No, right. Okay, then. Right. No, pr- so, no pressure, Jonathan. Right, no, no. So, well, do I kick off? Have you had the drums yet? Have you had we, the drums? We've had the drums. Not We're going to hear your second piece of music. Oh. Coleman Hawkins, Lady Be Good. Why have you chosen Coleman Hawkins, Lady Be Good? Well, I just, I just find his... I just love Coleman Hawkins. Um... The big band stuff, I think, got that right, you know, um, that particular period. I think big band, you know, it's a sort of definite, not rhythm to it, there's a sort of feel to it. You could, you know, you can jump, you can just dance to it, it's just wonderful. guest Jonathan Purcell. Stop, 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 stop. Yvonne, it's not Jonathan Purcell, it's Jonathan Pearsall. So you need to get the guest's names right. Remember, it's Jonathan Pearsall, not Purcell. Okay, let's go. This is Box 39, Red Button. This week, the entire history of Colchester, with our special guest Jonathan Pearsall. Well, we got there in the end. Wow. Well, dear, oh dear, they can only get better. Now, 
It's lovely to have you here, Jonathan Purcell. <laughs> <laughs> it's catchy. <laughs> My fees have gone up twice already. <laughs> so we're here with Jonathan Purcell, our Blue Guide Badge Guide, and we're doing the entire history of Colchester, as Yvonne mm. said there. So we uh, will start with the Roman times. So um, tell us some about something that we would find in Colchester. Well, tell us about Colchester and why it is it's connected to the Romans. Well... I can hardly believe it was one of 2,000 years ago the Romans decided to incorporate uh, Britain into their empire and um, they came to the top place in uh, Britain, as they called it, or became Britannia, as they called it, um, rather than uh, that was the main main centre of the most powerful tribe in Britain at the time. They didn't bother about London because there was just a few mud huts there. There was no significance at the time, which I, I like to make that point when I'm taking people around the town. So, yes, they came to, to uh, it was Camilodunum, came to be known as Colchester at a later date, but they came here first and settled here, set up a garrison, and from here they spread out to the rest of uh, Britain, taking it under control. So, uh, so was the... Um just remind me, what's the Roman name for Colchester, Jonathan? Camulodunum. Mike? What's well, okay. that's, that's more the native name. They what? call it, the Romans call it, City of Victory. What do you call it, Mike? I call it Camulodunum. Yeah, well, I almost said No, but Camulodunum, I think, was more the... The locals' name, yeah. but the Romans call it City of Victory. I, I, City my of Latin, Victory. Yeah, I don't know the Latin for it. So, who were the locals? Oh, they were these uh, the Trinovanti tribes. Um, I, well, Iron Age people, um, quite sophisticated. Really, they've got this idea they're running around in woad and and uh, loincloths. But uh, you know, they had their own gold coinage. They traded with the Romans. They had a, I mean, my understanding is they had a defensive system around the, the oh, town as well. Oh, yes, yes, they did. It's a system of dikes, you can still see them around. But that was mainly to sort of uh, defend themselves against other tri- tribes which attacked them. I mean, that, that's the problem with the pre-Roman Britain, is full of competing tribes. And uh, the Romans took advantage of that with their proper army, disciplined army. And so really those, uh, those uh, dikes really of no significance when the Romans arrived. Would we see anything? Would people that have been in Colchester, you know, is, are, are they passing everyday Roman things? Is there something of, that they would see and recognise that's Roman? Well, it must be the wall, the Roman wall. Mm. I mean, if, you, if you're driving up uh, Balkan Hill, and if you're looking out on the left, or well, be careful, you shouldn't be looking at it as you're driving up. Looking out on the left, <laughs> there's a huge stretch of the Roman wall running up quite steeply up. Is that the thing with the lights on at night? That's right, yeah, yeah. So uh, mm. there's about one and three quarter miles of the Roman wall right around the town. I say it's much better than York's, you know, which is all mm. a bit fake and medieval. Mm. So, um, but seriously, it's terrific walls. So if you, you know, travel up and watch it on the left hand side, and you'll see about halfway up a pub called The Hole in the Wall. I haven't been there for a while. Anyway, um, and behind that is built on top of the Balkan Gate, which was the ceremonial gate into Colchester. So that's yeah. still well preserved. So, yeah, the Roman Wall, that's a good starter. Yeah. And Jonathan, what about um, something that isn't seen so obviously, which is the Roman Circus? A lot of people don't know about that. Well, no, they don't. They're getting to know about it, so I'll plug it like mad tonight because I'm a trustee of that. Um, the Roman Circus, it was dug up, what, 2008? Um, it's just to the south of Southway. <clears throat> Um, on, on what is ex-army land, the barracks there. Um, and, uh, yes, it's the only circus that is known in Britain at the moment, mm. in the UK at the moment, where the chariot racing went on. Oh, um, yeah, I was, I, was, I was confused. So a Roman yeah. circus is not like a sort of Billy Smart circus? Oh, no, no, nothing like that. They may have had lions there and so on, but... There would have been a circus. We're pretty certain there was also a, an arena somewhere where you could, you know, you could have your, um, you know lions and people being torn to shreds yeah. and so on. I think that's rather exaggerated in Colchester. It's a bit too... But what, I, what I was impressed by, and of course there's a small little museum there. Um, oh, this... And yeah. uh, the uh, actual model of the uh, Roman circus, and then discovering that it goes all the way from uh, 
well, equivalent to top of Butt Road all the way through to St Bottles. It was huge. Oh, it, it's, it's, it's enormous thing. So the uh, best way to think of it is if you, if you know the Mersey Road, yeah. you come up the Mersey Road, you turn right there by the traffic light, so it yeah. starts there, yeah. and then you carry on following along circular, Napier Road, Circular Road North, and it's about a quarter of a mile long. It's really enormous Enormous. So it's four hundred metres in uh, modern right? form. Oh, yeah. In modern, about that length. Yeah, sounds yeah. like it. Your maths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's. It's. I mean, what it. What is there? I mean, it. It was buried, and, and they were doing some work. They're starting to build houses, and they came upon the foundations of it. So yeah. there's not a, a lot above the ground. But what we built up there is a reconstruction of the starting gates, uh, with uh, the footprint of the uh, of the terracing. And a great big steel structure to give an idea of the terracing, so you get a good idea of the scale of it. How many how many people would go to a, an afternoon out at the, the horse racing then, at the chariot racing at the circus? Well, they reckon it had a, uh, a capacity of 8,000, but whether in fact that wow. you get that, I mean, it's a bit like Colchester United, they've got a big stand, but... Uh, so 8,000, to put it in perspective, is about four times as many people as would go and watch Colchester United. Yeah. Well, yeah, you could say that. And some, yeah. But yeah, it's, it, it's, it's difficult to say. Um, I think the thing is that it was a big status thing. You know, if you're a town... And well, these these mainly funded actually by the the emperor at that particular time. It's status thing. The bigger, the better. You know, so it shows that, you're an important time. So is time. it is it likely that that was associated with Claudius himself? Then no, no. It's, it was later. They were started to be built. Sort of. I mean, Claudius was long dead. I mean, he was murdered, wasn't he, by his uh, his wife when he got after he got back to uh, after he got back to uh, Rome. Um, no, it was later. In fact, that as Hadrian was building a lot of this stuff. And, and built throughout the empire, and it's all part of, you know, showing where were the Romans, where the top people, and you know, keeping the keeping the locals happy. So, what's your favourite bit of of Roman Colchester? Whether it's easy to see or difficult to find? Well, it has to be the circus. I have to say, I would say that. But as Mike was saying, they've got a terrific centre there, visitor centre, and the models there they've got. Uh, the, of, 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 the, of the circus itself and more recently almost completed one of the town itself, Roman town. And what's good about that, you can see it on everything related to each other. So, yeah, d- definitely that. But yeah. lots of other great things, you know. I mean, you've got the, the Temple of Claudius, which is, that was built, um, destroyed by good old Queen Boudicca, uh, rebuilt. And then the castle keep is actually on top of the foundations of the of the temple, in fact, you can go into the foundations. Actually, have an underground tour of, of the foundations. It's run by the museum there, which is which is great stuff. Which is great stuff. So yeah, there's that. What else is? Oh, come on, there's, there's the so Fenwick Horde. Sorry, the Fenwick Horde. Oh, oh yeah, that, yeah, the Fenwick Horde. Is it Fenwick or Fenwick? Fenwick. Fenwick. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll confirm it is oh, Fenwick. Oh, oh, is it? oh, okay, right. Um, Never heard of that. What's that? No, what it was, um, there's a, 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 a department store in Culture School, Fenwick's or Phoenix, and they were doing a dig there and they found these uh, uh, or bracelets for, may, men, for a man and his wife, which would clearly have been buried there at the time of when Queen Boudicca or Queen Boudicca, as she used to be known, um, was AD 6061, not long after the Romans arrived, AD 43 they arrived, um, Queen Boudicca, the, the British, were, British were pretty fed up, the Romans. Um, well, if you remember, they're pretty brutal lot, the Romans. Personally, I think we over, overdose on them. You know? Anyway, that's another story. Uh, um, and uh, anyway, um, yeah, they, they discovered these... these, these um, uh, these uh, these bracelets and so on, which have clearly been uh, buried by the owners, hoping to come back after the fire, after culture was burnt to the ground, but they never did. Dug up and now in the Colchester Museum. Well, that's a wonderful flavour. Yeah, yeah. Terrific. Wonderful flavour of Roman life there in our complete and utter history of Colchester. So before we move on to the next bit, uh, you've chosen another record, or another piece of music rather, and this is by the Hilliard Ensemble. And it's a madrigal called Draw on Sweet Nights by John Wilby. Or Wilby. Wilby, yeah. Tell us about that. Well, the thing about 
John Wilby as the madrigals of that time, late uh, late sixteenth, uh, um, late sixteenth, uh, early seventeenth century, enormously popular. And Wilby lived in Colchester for a long time in in Trinity Street, and he's probably buried in the churchyard of Trinity Trinity Church, which is just opposite where he used to live. So, and also, I, I, I'm I'm shameful here. My wife sings in this choir, and they came Colchester Chamber Choir, and they'd be and she loves that music, and it'll be coming up. They'll be running a concert in Coggeshall in the new year. Better shut up. <laughs> I'm a jazz expert. Wivenhoe residents have paid me a rather modest consultation fee to come here to define jazz for you. And it's a very, very difficult question. Very difficult. So, in view of the modesty of the fee I've been paid, what I'm going to do is to throw the question right back at you. Here goes. Residents of Wivenhoe, I'm asking you, what is jazz? Thank you. Bill's Big Bag of Jazz Onions Every Sunday night from 11pm Here on 106.6 FM Cone Radio
39 red buttons. This week, the entire history of Colchester with our special guest, Jonathan Pearsall. <laughs> Yes, indeed, it is. Jonathan Pizzle. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, indeed. I have to say, Jonathan, those jingles cost us hardly anything. So next time you're in, if you bring in a few quid, we'll get some better ones made. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, that was another of your choices, and that was the marvellous Wilson Pickett <clears throat> within the midnight hour. Tell us why, Joe, that one. Well, I the classic example of R and B music the nineteen sixties and you know, black black music, R and B you know, rooted in in the blues music, just fantastic, you know, from yeah. deep south. And again, it's like why well, I like drums. You know, it gets into your blood. Yeah. You know, you can feel it in your body. You know, it's just fantastic. And uh, you can really dance to that. You know, I was just jigging away here. Well, so was just, Mike. We're just watching yeah. Snake Hip Harwood. Snake Hip Harwood. Smokey Harwood. Lump in the throat, Smokey Harwood. <laughs> yeah. Do you enjoyed that, Mike? I did. I couldn't stay still. No, that's a great piece of music. So we've moved forward in history from the Romans to medieval Colchester. Right. Colchester, well, it's got so much medieval about it as well. And I think there's probably one building that stands above all others, isn't there, uh, to remind us of medieval times. And what's that building? Well, uh, the Colchester bus station. That's the one. <laughs> yeah, it is rather nice, actually. It's, 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 yeah, anyway. No, well, it has to be the castle, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I mean, and... and, and well, it's actually the keep of the castle rather than actually the castle as a whole. You've got the keep itself, and then around it, you've got the, I've forgotten the technical term. The, the bailey. Uh, the bailey the, the around bailey. that, correct. Thank you very much. So uh, the keep the keep is the, the sort of stone building that everyone would think of as the castle. Well, well, that's right, yes. But you've, yes. But the castle actually refers to the land all around it, the hill that's been artificially oh. made with the castle plonked on the top. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay, yeah. But the, the keep itself, that's what's left. There was a lot more there, obviously, around there. And there was a wall, probably originally uh, wood in the first instance, and then stone. No no moat, because you're on a hill. It's no good. The water will just drain away. But the great thing about that uh, keep is, and I like to make this, it's rather childish point, I know, it's the biggest keep the Normans ever built, either in Normandy or here. And it's ever so much so slightly bigger than the White Tower in London, you see. So, you know, it's another one for London, uh, for cultures and a poke in the eye for London. Yeah, so, and it's, 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 it, it, that's the thing about the great size of it. And um, interestingly, it's, we're not quite sure actually how, what height it went to, because I haven't any records of it left, but... Um, no, it, it really is quite spectacular, and they've got a spectacular museum inside as well. You know, really well. I displayed. assume, I assume, Jonathan, that the uh, the size of the castle, its its uh, footprint, is oh. purely down to the size of the pre-existing temple. Would that be? Would that exactly? Be right? That's right. It was determined by the temple. Absolutely. I mean, it was an ideal spot. You had that, you know, massive. I mean, the temple it was huge. Uh, it needed a very strong foundation for to build on top of that. Plus, the fact there's lots of Roman material lying around. Mm. And if you look at the castle, it's stuffed with uh, uh, Roman Roman material, bricks, uh, stone, and so it might have been imported and so on. So it's uh, you know an early example of recycling, actually. Um, yeah, so that's that's the reason for it. Uh, just just that reason. But uh, so so Jonathan, you might um, I'm not very clear on this. So you say the castle was that size, but what was a castle doing here? I mean, there's no castle at Chelmsford. There's no castle at Malden. There's no. Why have we got a castle in Colchester? Well, I think it's quite interesting. Um, a large number of castles were actually built by the Normans because obviously foreign invaders had to keep the boot on the Saxon's neck, if I can put it like that. But there are certain castles that were strategically important, so-called royal castles, were built at certain places. So, like for Windsor Castle, the Tower of London, and uh, Colchester Castle. Well, Colchester is on the east side of London, main roads out towards the uh, out towards the east. 
the Danes still had a, had a, a interested in and uh, danger in invading, so strategically placed to defend from that uh, from that uh, area, from that uh, part of the country, and also keep the boot on the the locals as well. I must remember that was there to frighten the locals. And then you have the Tower of London, of course, which is in the capital, and the other side you got Windsor Castle, which is on the Thames, and that was if you're invading from the west, you come down the Thames Valley. So. You know, strategically place these massive castles. So that's why Colchester's there. It's you know strategically placed. You know that much closer up towards what would become Harwich and Norwich and so on. Yeah. So I've got a question, Jonathan. Yeah. Was uh, a little bit later in history. Was the castle significant significant at all in the uh, English Civil War? In its own in its own right, no. But the, the, in terms, if you in, in the in grounds around, you'll see a uh, obelisk that uh, marks a spot where two of the uh, commanders of the royalist forces in in Colchester during the siege in the Civil War on sixteen forty, they were executed by, right. the, uh, uh, by, by the by yeah. uh, uh, the these. Um, victorious um, roundhead armies, the parliamentarian armies. So, yes, that was, as, as a place, yes, that's where they were executed. But, yeah. of course, you know, the Civil War, destructive effects all throughout the, throughout the town, the edge of the town, yeah. destruction of the walls and churches and so on. Yeah, yeah. I know the, um, the Royalists, when they were defeated, I think, uh, laid down a lot of their arms in St. James, St. John's Church on East Hill, you know. On these, on, yes, and also yeah. in uh, St Mary's by the Walls, yeah. you know, on 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 the Balkan Hill, uh, absolutely, and not too far away from the castle, obviously. No, no, that that was right. I mean, it was pretty awful the way they were treated. Arguably, mm. um, a lot of the uh, soldiers were shipped off to to uh, to slaves on in in the West Indies and the, the colonies, which had you know the early plantations uh, had been established there, yeah. and um, the two commanders were executed because. Um, they had been captured earlier on in the Civil War, 1642 to 1648, the English Civil War. They'd been captured earlier and they'd uh, agreed to uh, go on parole, as it were, and uh, if they didn't fight again, they wouldn't be, you know, they were sent away and, uh, you know, you could live your life as before but don't get involved in politics again, but they decided to do it. So uh, that was the chop for them, so they executed as a result of that. So we've seen Colchester being a site of a huge importance to Roman Britain and then a site of huge importance for the Normans, a strategic yeah, importance. Yeah, that's right, that's right. And then even in the Civil War, 500 years hence after that, or 600 years on, uh, still an important place for the, uh, the, the uh, struggles between the ordinary person and the royalty. Well, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it was the last... The last battle as it were before the king was executed in 1640 in 1649 so um so is a pretty important place so far in our story of the complete and utter history of colchester it's well uh, very much so yeah and part of our general history of and britain as a whole parliament yeah. and the, yeah. the king and so on yeah not forgetting the uh, peasants revolt and uh, john ball the rebel priest well yes he, uh, he he preached in st john's until he was uh, banned and then he he carried on his uh, campaign against um the way that uh, peasants were treated and taxation outside the church until he got banned and went down to kent and uh, Took over, uh, released Wat Tyler, and then all hell broke loose in uh, in London. Yeah, I think uh, Colchester and the eastern counties, as they were then, were more uh, weren't particularly royalists. They were much more uh, uh, parliamentarians, and they tried traditional radicalism in the town i mean john ball is a very very good example of that yeah and also a rather unpleasant history of uh uh, witch hunting in the early uh, early 17th century and the um colchester was a place where a number were actually executed um but that's yeah that's another story that's another thing yeah well, we'll go on to uh, the Colchester in, in uh, more modern times uh, soon. So let's listen to your next piece of music. This is by Scott Hamilton, and it's called Abundance. Tell us about that. Well, I heard him uh, 
festival some years ago. It was a Brecon Jazz Festival, a, a terrific tenor sax, you know. And when you hear something live, it's so much better than, a, you know, it's great on a disc and so on, but, you know, it really got, got into me. I just loved it. Listening to Red Button on Colm Radio 106.6 FM. Susie, wake up, please, Susie. 
guest Jonathan Pearsall. Jonathan Pearsall, and uh, you're very welcome uh, wherever you're listening to us. In the studio, I've got Ian, and I've got Mike, and our very, very special guest, uh, the Blue Badge Guide, Jonathan Pearsall, and he's been taking us on a journey of time from Roman Britain. We've been through medieval Colchester, and now we've arrived at Victorian Colchester, Jonathan. So, uh, just before we start talking about Victorian Colchester, we heard another of your choices, which was the Everly Brothers' Wake Up Little Susie. Why did you choose that? Oh, it's just a lovely rock and roll um, uh, uh, song. Um, and also, it's quite, quite nice. It's a bit of history in that, and you think about it. It was about American f- f- 50s and 60s, people drive in to drive in cinemas you know and they obviously they went there to watch this film another nice thing about it uh, oh we're in trouble now and my friends are ooh la la and that really appealed to me actually <laughs> but also it's quite interesting too they were worried about their parents thought I wonder oh, sound like an old man head would people worry so much now but you know it's quite innocent certain innocence about it I, I really like yeah and did any of you go to the the pop-up drive-in cinema we had during COVID in Colchester? Mm. At the old Sainsbury's in Tolgate? No, I can't say I did. Ah. In a word, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, let's move on swiftly then to Victorian Colchester. So... Um, Colchester was still uh, quite wealthy in Victorian times. Where, where was the wealth coming from for Colchester in the 19th century? Well, originally it was the cloth trade. That died off about in the 1820s. But then engineering, engineering came along in quite a big way, um, particularly a company called Paxman's, which lasted until about 10, 15 years ago, um, which established a worldwide trade in uh, in, in, in uh, steam engines, then electrical engines, and then uh, diesels and so on. And, and certainly in the Second World War, it played a big role in providing, uh, producing tank engines and uh, engines for submarines. So it was a worldwide established uh, company and a very big employer and obviously very supporting industries as well. And many people who live in Colchester might not be aware that Colchester had a big port just down the road, didn't it? That's right, that's the, the Hythe port. In fact, that goes right way back to Roman times um, and continued through until, well, I think it was about 15, 20 years ago when basically it closed, the, the river was too narrow and uh, boats couldn't get up and trade was changing. Though, in fact, the last uh, shipment of... Um, stuff into Colchester was coal. It was during the miners' strike in 1984, I think the strike was yeah. on, and uh, it was being shipped in there, you know, it's being brought in to break the strike, a miners' strike, and uh, of course a bit of a, you know, <laughs> quite, a, quite a sort of perhaps, I don't know, it was a good end, sorry end to the port, and then it was finally closed in 2002, but no, it had it, fallen into disuse really. It just so wasn't. In Victorian times, though, there's a bustling port down yeah, the, uh, in the Hythe, yep. and that's bringing lots of trade and business and money. Well, yes. I mean, it was a, a big import place for timber. It was a good place for importing timber and uh, stuff from Scandinavia. Uh, also, an interesting one, they're bringing ice in the late 19th century for the sort of wealthy of, of, of Colchester, and that's before refrigeration was developed in the late 19th century, and then that was killed off. Um, uh, export of grain, because, you know, I mean, Colchester in the middle of an important agriculture, there, export of grain and other agricultural products. Um, so yeah. all this money, so where are the great and the good hanging out? Did they build themselves a nice building? Well, I think so. Funny enough, some of the nicest buildings are down in the Hythe now, which uh, it's all a little bit run down. Some wonderful buildings down there opposite, opposite the church there. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, and then gradually things began to move to the west side of Colchester, uh, sort of Lexon area, sort of the posh end of town. Um, 
So, uh, interesting enough, it's worthwhile remembering, going back a bit, the, the best area to live was around by the castle. East still around there, some wonderful, what we call, you know, seven, uh, 1700 Georgian buildings. But then it's moved gradually further west, which is, uh, and that's where the great and the good actually moved out there. So, Jonathan, the, the goods obviously came in. Uh, in in the harbour itself, down yeah. at the Hythe, where did the trade take place? Where were the where were the business centres as such of Colchester? Well, I don't think it was a specific. Well, how do you mean a sort of market or market or an exchange? Was that did we? No, not not especially. No, I mean, I guess it was you know it was all sort of people had ordered the timber to be brought in, and, and you know people knew what was going to come in, and the trade was organised for selling the 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 the, the corn um but the politicians they look after themselves don't they did they build a nice building for the uh, for themselves you know the the great and the good as in are the rulers of Colchester is somewhere in the high street that's well, a nice building isn't uh, it <laughs> <laughs> well I guess you're referring to the town hall which yeah. I think is uh, 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 rather uh, special isn't oh, it absolutely absolutely fantastic you know so uh, no yeah that, that's really spectacular when we finished 1902 I really think that's one of the most beautiful buildings Buildings in the country, actually, as a town hall. It, if you really, like, if really, you like Victoriana, it's not Victorian. No, no, no. <laughs> it's moved on slightly from the more obvious Victoriana. Oh, don't be such a peasant. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, going back, the corn exchange. Of course, there was a corn exchange, wasn't there? You people, yeah, I forgot about yeah. that. I thought, God. Anyway, there we are. The corn Yes, I mean you had that, obviously. I mean agriculture is still very important in in, in the region, even though in the the late 19th century went into decline agriculture was still very important and you know people will be serving at the service industries you know and and then the other thing we forget about that the professional professions you know solicitors mm. and surveyors and so on and um so what about the uh, one of the biggest landmarks in Colchester, the uh, Jumbo Tower? Oh, Jumbo, yeah, that's right. I'll to get that. And, why, <laughs> and why, why is it called Jumbo? Ah, ah that's a... Sl- well, basically, at that time, it was built in uh, 1882, I think it was completed. Um, it was named... It was the sheer size of it, but it was also named after Jumbo, which was an elephant in London Zoo. And London Zoo decided to sell it off to Barnum and Bailey's American Circus, and it was shipped off to the States and it was uproar nationally. So uh, about this, and uh, I suppose in Colchester they decided to call it Jumbo. And if you look at the top of the tower, we actually see a weather vane, gold weather vane of Jumbo, Jumbo itself. So uh, it was a sad end actually to Jumbo because when he was over there, they were unloading him from a. A truck on the tra- on the railway tracks, and another train ran him over. So that made things even worse. For anyway, so that's the that's behind Jumbo. That's the name of it. And uh, as Mike was saying, it's a water tower built to provide clean water to Colchester, which yeah. had been pretty uh, pretty uh, problematic uh, in the years before. Yeah. So we've seen in our tour once again Colchester being quite a quite a wealthy place, quite an important place in oh, this part of the world. Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, Colchester, Colchester itself, like so many local authorities that time, late nineteenth century, early twentieth century, provide everything: schools, libraries, ran the gas works, elect- electricity, um, trams, you name it, they provided it, and now it's all. Well, I won't go into that bit. And, uh, <laughs> All gone. And hamburger stalls uh, down the high street, you know, which is not, not particularly uh, uh, aesthetically pleasing. What's that, sorry? All the hamburger stores. And well, uh, well, that's that's market forces. Though it's interesting, it's, it's interesting how cultural change is so many flats being or, or upper stories of shops being uh, converted into flats i think it's interesting to see how it's going to change i think old old fashioned town town centers are going to go and decline and inevitably and we can see at the edge of colchester this huge expansion of yeah. colchester with um, you know these superstores and so on well we'll talk about uh, what the future holds for mm-hmm. colchester uh, in a minute but first we're going to listen to another piece of music this is from stravinsky the Rite of Spring Piano Duet. Tell us about that, Jonathan. Well, Stravinsky is his Rite of Spring. He wrote a full uh, 
uh, you know, a full work. So he also write, uh, wrote a version just for two pianos, and I heard it played live uh, in Colchester um, not so long ago, and it's just fantastic. And just listening to it again, it got into my heart, and oh, it's fabulous, wonderful, wonderful. Well, that wasn't me, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jonathan, you've taken us on a wonderful historical journey all the way from Roman Colchester right up to the Victorians. But let's move to the modern Colchester. Colchester in 2021, when this uh, program's being recorded. What's modern Colchester like? Well, I, I think it's pretty good, actually. It's, it's built on, on, on its past very well. So you've got the university, which is doing very well indeed. That's internationally known. Got terrific range of schools. I think it's really very good. You've got First Sight, this uh, arts art centre, which has just won the Museum of the Air Award, which is a great feather in the cap, I think, for for Colchester. Especially as the museum doesn't all the the centre does an awful lot. It's not just full of modern art. It does a terrific amount of work in the community, which is especially good. Yeah, um, uh, also, the art centre, which is uh, oh yeah, making really arts. good use of the uh, the church. The yeah, I think that's an excellent. An example, Mark. You know, they've got a wonderful historic building there, yeah. and it has a uh, has a terrific range of stuff. It's jazz, folk, uh, comedy, and the other thing I saw the other day, it was uh, a chap. He does the history of horror movies, and he's dragged all his stuff up from obscure horror movies. It's, I'm in the horror movies actually, and they're brilliantly presented. Yeah. Um, so that is something special, Mark. I, I certainly yeah. agree with you on that. So that's a whole range of cultural stuff actually, you know. I mean, yeah. all sorts of music, not different sorts of bands and choirs. Uh, and, and, the, and the Mercury Theatre, of all course, the which has been uh, renovated uh, yeah, in a very absolutely, yeah. brilliant way. Yeah, yeah, I must go in there. Opposed to the uh, sandwiches, are they've got a new restaurant. The restaurant's great. excellent. But Spatial the, and uh, food's great. I but, recommend it. Oh, yeah. from the, as well as the plays. And, uh, oh, really? And oh, OK, yeah. then. Colchester is changing, though, isn't it? What's, yeah. the, what's the biggest change to Colchester? Well, the biggest change, you said at the moment, is the way its population is, is growing. Um, and I say it's the fastest growing town in, in the country. But I sort of... I had to sort of dig through this, and far as I can make it, probably to get different sources of information. According to the Office of National Statistics, it's only eight. It's growing the eighth. It's only eighth fastest growing town, and uh, people, you know, complain about all the development. But I mean, I, I think about that is the government is saying to different areas, you've got to do it, whether you like it or not. So it's not just in Essex, it's in Kent, 
all over. There's uproar everywhere. Manchester, you shouldn't build here, and so on. There's a sort of reaction against it, this so, development, which I can understand. But So um, we're, we're in a very uh, interesting place. Where's Colchester going to go? Are we going to continue to grow? Are we going to co- sort of consolidate what we've got? It's going to be interesting to see, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's going to grow for a while. If we also forget about uh, global warming, you know, <laughs> it's, who knows? But I think it's going to. Condi- I mean, targets have been set, and I think once those targets are met, then for that it will ease off. I think so. Um, yeah. Well, well, we shall see what happens. Thank you so much for coming in uh, to speak to us, Jonathan. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you here, and we're looking forward to you coming back. Having done the complete and utter history of Colchester, <laughs> we're going to focus on, uh, when you come back again, we're on, on more specific things. Oh, OK. It's well, very kind of you to ask me back. And it's been like, thank you, uh, Ian, for coming in, and thank you, Mike. We'll let you go back to the bar now. Thank you very much. My glass is empty, <laughs> but I, I stuck around. It was interesting. I thank you, enjoyed Jonathan. enjoyed it. Thank you. Well, thank you. And before you go, uh, Jonathan, we've got one final piece of music. Oh, yeah. And you've got to tell us all about this. This is the Rolling Stones and Satisfaction. Oh, well, this is the song of mine, you know. It sounds sad. I always rather fancied myself as Mick Jagger, you know, waving my maracas and doing the lips. And I always thought they're much more, you know, the Beatles are so feeble, you know. The, the, the Stones, very much influenced by R&B. is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 